Hey, good evening, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope. Uh, hope everybody had a beautiful day. We got a special guest tonight, Miss Erica Du Bois. She's here. She's uh, uh, glad she wanted to come on the show. Um, she has a very strong, uh, as I say, social media presence. She's not afraid to mix it up on social I got media. My woman's part, uh, <laughs> and she, she's well, not afraid. She's not afraid to mix it up. I um on the flyer I put that Erica is an educator as well as a committee woman, but it, she wears many hats. She will explain all the things she does. She's not only a mother, she's also a wife and a daughter as well. Uh, how you doing, Erica? Good. Thank you for having me on tonight. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Erica, tell us a bit about yourself. A bit. Oh, first of all, you already said I'm a teacher and a politician, so we love to talk. So feel free to just cut me off at any time. But I've been teaching for 20 years in uh, in Jersey City. Um, I'm a politician here in my town. I was mayor last year. I am very committed to women's sports. I've coached my daughters for years. I played my whole life. I played in college. I went to Wagner College. Um, my oldest daughter is a freshman in high school. She's a very competitive athlete in softball, basketball, and she played soccer for 12 years, but then she changed it up and she's now doing gymnastics because she's really athletic and that's what she wanted to do. So she's doing it. Um, my husband and I have been married for over 10 years, but we've known each other since 1996, which is insane. Um, I've lived in Union County most of my life, either in Springfield. I grew up in Union. I graduated class in 96. So that's another, I know you're from Union as well. And anytime somebody from Union wants to hook up and do a project, do anything, you know how we, we always get together and do things. So I was super excited to do this with you. Um, I'm part of, I don't know if you know this about me, actually. I'm part of the Badass Teachers Association, which is a grassroots education organization. Since I believe 2014, I've been a part of that. So we've been working on just trying to advocate for public education and just issues that matter to kids in public education. So I, that's how I got started in politics. Basically I was when common core and the park test came out, I just, it was the straw that broke the camel's back to me in regards to education. I started speaking publicly at board of education meetings locally where I work, even down in Trenton, I spoke in front of the state board of ed. My friends would record my speeches. I'd throw them up on social media. I got about 3,000 hits on one of my speeches, so I kind of felt big time. And the local Democratic Party here reached out to me. They saw it. They they enjoyed, I guess, my passion, my willingness to speak out for things, and asked me if I was interested in running. At the time, my youngest one, who's seven now, was, I guess she was three. So I was like, mm, I have a little one at home. I don't know if I could take all this on. But then my family, who also lived locally, said, you know what? You got to strike while the iron's hot. Why don't you do it? You can figure it out. I ran the first time. And I lost by two votes as a new candidate, came back the next year and I won. And I'm just, I was deputy mayor and mayor during my first three-year term. And now I'm, I was reelected. And so I'm in my second three-year term. Wow. Yeah. So, it's, so, that, it's a lot. so that's a lot. That's a it's lot. To lot. Unpack that's, there. that's what I do. I do a lot. I mean, um, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk, let's talk about your education. What, what was your passion for your education and why did you decide to be an educator? Well, honestly, I, I always, it's a testament to the teachers I had growing up, honestly. I know that sounds cliche. It's probably what a lot of teachers say, but growing up in union, 
I just had some really amazing teachers um, during my childhood. I mean, I had a typical childhood, I guess, but my mom had some mental health issues, some addiction issues. My dad was always there and good and all that. So I went through a lot as a kid and I think I threw myself into school, into athletics just to kind of get away from some of the stuff I was dealing with. And I had teacher. I don't know if my teachers knew what was going on or not. Like looking back, I, maybe they did. Cause as a teacher, I kind of know what's in my kids' lives, even though I might not tell them, but I had some amazing teachers all throughout, you know, elementary school at Franklin school at Burnett up through the high school. My coaches were great. And I, I just always thought I was going to be a teacher and that's what I became, you know, it just, it was a natural thing for me. And I love, teaching but sometimes i dislike education there's a lot of it similar to politics what i love about i love the role i play but i don't love all the other stuff so it's it, it's it's interesting and education public education has become a difficult thing um over the years but i'm glad i'm a part of it and i hope to leave my mark and hopefully change it for the better so what, what grades do you teach I've been elementary school for 20 years. Right now I've been kindergarten for the past six or seven years, but I've taught fifth grade and first grade. And the oldest grade I've taught was eighth grade in summer school one summer. So I, I typically fifth grade and under. So is that um, is that a little trying being a kindergarten teacher? Yes, it's it takes a lot of energy. And as I get older and they stay the same age, sometimes it's exhausting, but the amount of growth you see in a school year can't be matched. I don't think in any other grade, it's just, they come in needing so much from you. And by April every year, they become so independent. And you're like the, the light switch one day in April, you literally walk into classroom and they're doing things on their own that you just never thought they would do. And then you're like, this is why I do this. Okay. This, this, this is it right here. So it's something teachers understand that I don't think other people do. And it's, it's really cool. It's a cool feeling. So advocating for the for the kids and, and education led you to the politics. Yeah. Well, you know what? If, if you don't get on the politics side of things, people hate the word politics. It's such a dirty word, especially over the last handful of years. But politicians decide so many aspects of our lives that why wouldn't you want to be involved? You want to be there making those decisions. That doesn't mean I'm going to get everything I want or you know, everyone who I work with is going to agree with me. But if you can't at least bring the ideas to the table, they may never come to the table, you know? Yeah. One of the things that I've, I always hear is that um, a lot of people say, leave politics out of education. And it's like, how could you leave politics out of education? And this is how you get your funding. Exactly. Minimum, that's what you get, just the funding. Now, when you got, like you said, when you're dealing with like special needs or yeah. certain interests within the school, you got to be the advocate. Like you got to be able to talk as we say, the politician lingo yeah. and be able to say, look, we need this amount of money for this because we have this amount of kids exactly. with this need. And, and I, Go and ahead. I, teach, I teach at risk youth. My whole career has been with kids that are my whole building, you know, gets free and reduced lunches and things. And I think I being politically involved, I bring a different perspective to it because I might live in one community and then I'm, but I'm a part of, I feel like that's my community as well. I've been there for so long and those families mean so much to me. So I think I bring a unique perspective that not everybody has. So how, how were you able to juggle the transition from, okay, I'm advocating for my school and then now I'm going to be a politician in my, my local town and I'm still a mother, I'm still yeah. a wife. How was that transition? Did you have to let the husband know like, yo, well, this is what's going on? Yeah. 
he's always been super. I will say my husband, my parents who live in town, his grandparents who live in town, my sister and her husband live in town. I have family members all in Union County. They have been nothing but supportive. I couldn't do this if they were not supportive, you know, because you can't do this by yourself. Okay. Like I, I can pretend and I'm stubborn. And I try to take everything on, but it doesn't work that way. And my kids love what I do. My teenager's really politically active for her age. She follows things. She's interested in things. And, and I have a great supporting, I have a core group of friends that if they listen to this, they'll probably know who they are in town who are like my sounding board and my like background. That'll tell me, you know, you got to chill on this. Or if you need help with this, you know, you need people in your corner. You can't do this by yourself. That's what I've learned. And you just got to ask for help and reciprocate to help with people. And I, and I, I've had a lot of luck with that. My older daughter plays, like I said, plays a lot of sports, but we have like a mom squad who pick up, drop off. We all get together. They've always supported what I do. So it makes it easier. So let me ask, because you're mm -hmm. at one time your name was Madam Mayor. So how That's so awesome. how how is that you ran you ran for mayor? How do they do that? It's just like union. I yeah. always forget how they do it. It's yeah, every town's different. In in our form of government, each year when you um do the reorganization in January, whichever party is the um majority party chooses the chair of the committee, which is the mayor for the year. Okay. So we typically like choose a different person each year, you know, and our, our party has a five Oh um, majority right now, but I had the opportunity last year and it, when, when it was first presented to me, I absolutely jumped on it. But then I sat home and like spoke to my husband. I was like, am I ready for this? Like, you know, it, it could be, it's a big responsibility. And I took it really seriously and I worked so incredibly hard last year but we, we accomplished a lot. And my team, my team and my township is fantastic. We had our first ever pride event in my town. Um, I had, I, I was able to get all of our, almost all of our first responders trained in autism spectrum disorder training at no cost to our township. Um, we've hosted multiple black history month events that we didn't pro previously host that I helped organize. Um, we, we, we just, we accomplished a lot. We, De redevelopment's been going on for a decade in our town. So I'm not going to pretend that that was my doing, but a lot of progress happened to happen last year and I got to be a part of it, which was amazing. And I give credit to the people who were there before me that got the ball rolling and have moved that along. And to the mayor who's there this year, who's also another union high school graduate who is uh, working on it. So you got to have a good team around you. And I have a really good team here. So I'm really lucky. Does it feel like does it feel like everybody from Union just moved to the next town over and just like you know, we're there's gonna a lot of us. there's a lot of us <laughs> and, and, and we're good at bringing people together because I don't know if you're familiar with last week they had a, a food uh, unfortunately with what's going on with COVID and everything they had a really big food drive last year that was organized by a lot of uh, graduates from the high school that were a little older than me back in like the late 80s they graduated. And they invited members of our community that needed the help there as well. And they, they served over 540 families last week. So Union High School graduates do a lot, do big things. They're compassionate. They work hard and they network really well. So I'm proud to be one of them, honestly. It, yeah, it's, something, it's something about the town that, um, you know, we all can't describe, but it's like once yeah. it's in you, it's in you. You don't want to get rid With all her flaws. We're yep. still there, right? Um, and, and I love Springfield, but I always represent Union as well. I represent both, and I'm glad to be a part of both communities.
So I know we had a, we had a comment when we had talked. You were like, "I'm super progressive." Okay. Um, I think so. We, so I so 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 explain the progressive movement to a layman, like a person doesn't understand. Well, what I I mean, I think I've been labeled either very liberal or prog I feel like progressive is a nicer word. Maybe maybe I've been labeled some other things too on social media, but. I think I'm willing to be vocal and talk about issues that are important to people that don't always look like me, that don't always have the same lifestyle as me. I'm, I'm a big, you know, advocate. Like I said, I, I went out there and we did our first pride event last year. And that's something that was important to me that people in my community, especially kids, I look at things, I look at issues and think if my child had to deal with that, how would I feel? So I try to look through that that scope whenever that makes sense. It doesn't always make sense, obviously, but I I, I care about healthcare. I I think we should be moving towards universal healthcare or a public option or things like that, because I feel like now that I'm on the government side of things and I see how hard it is to fund public workers' healthcare, it's not their fault. It's the system that's making it that way, and it's a challenge. And being somebody who is in a in a union and who wants better health care for herself and the people around her, I'd be a hypocrite to not want that for my police and fire and all that too. And but you can't wave a magic wand and make everything happen in the system you're in. Like sometimes the system binds your decisions and it's frustrating. So and that's like a battle. That's like a battle within itself oh, in New Jersey, anyway. So hard. Because that's like the pharmaceutical capital of the world. Oh, I know. Believe me, that could be a whole different conversation. <laughs> um, I mean, like that. What's been going on in the last handful of days? What happened in Minneapolis? What's happened all across the country? What happened in Central Park? Like these issues involving race. I, I feel that they're important to talk about. And sometimes people shy away from those or say, because I talk about them that I'm uber liberal or something, or, or I just think I'm compassionate. I don't know. I don't know what the label is. I don't know what the right label is to have that conversation. But um, my daughter who is biracial, obviously, my, oh, maybe your audience doesn't know. My husband's black. My kids are biracial. You know, my, my daughter's been called the N word and she mm. laughed off, but I didn't know what to say. Like, I don't know. I, that's never happened to me, you know? And then my husband has his perspective on it, you know, and he spoke to her, but I can't have that conversation with her and understand and really sympathize or, you know, empathize. I've never been there. So I feel like a lot of issues that seem to only be talked about by people that call themselves progressive. That doesn't mean all progressives are good people or care about the same issues or all liberals or all of anybody. But I feel like I'm willing to talk about a lot of those issues and, and, invest my time in learning more about them and hopefully making changes in them where changes are needed. How do you, how do you feel? And it's just, I just thought about this question. How do you feel? I saw both sides arguing over the, um, the mail-in ballot, uh, thing uh -huh. that may be, may be coming up and it may be in the general election as well in November. How do you feel about the mail-in ballot? Cause I, like I said, I saw people on both sides, not really pleased that this may have to happen. How do you feel about mail-in ballot? I think right now, I think, first of all, it's been an option. And I think a lot of people may not know that it's already been an option. So I think sometimes arguments come from people not being familiar with how certain things work. Because if you work in a different field, you don't know everything that goes on. You know, like that. if you're talking about voting and things, not everybody knows the ins and outs until they're 
in a position where it affects them more or where, you know, you're working on campaigns. So mail-in ballots have already existed in New Jersey. So for people to get upset about it, I think is a little overblown in my opinion. Now, I know people were scared that there wouldn't be in-person voting, but there will be. And I've tried to clarify that with people. There will still be in-person voting. So that's an option. And what tends to bother me when people have this conversation is a lot of the people who are now concerned that their vote might be suppressed in some way didn't seem too concerned about it over the last eight years or so when, since the Voting Rights Act has been rolled back and voter suppression has been happening all over the country because it didn't impact them. So it frustrates me that when it impacts people, and we're all guilty of this, uh, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes you don't care about things till it's right in your backyard. But people feeling their rights are being suppressed, but they didn't seem to care when it's happening and there's evidence of it in other places. So that frustrates me. I do understand their concern for the safety of the vote or if their vote not being counted. I think there will be provisions in place to make sure those things happen. I hope there it's not a debacle. I hope it works out the way it should. Um, obviously we can't predict the future, but I, I, I think people, I think it's a good option for now for people who are still not totally comfortable with being back out in public. And I know a topic that is always attached to this is voter ID. If you want to chat about that a little bit, we could chat for a minute. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I know a lot of the people bring up voter ID, especially on the other side of the aisle for, from where I'm from, but they don't do the work to think about how that would impact people. I'm not necessarily against people having to show identification to vote. I'm against the fact that 21 million people that are voting age in this country don't have a valid ID to vote. If you're not going to provide them with that ID without a cost, it's a poll tax in my opinion, and you can't mm. do that. So if you want, if we want to have a universal identification that you are allowed to vote, we have to invest in that and make sure everyone has access to it. That's my argument. And I don't understand why people can't see why that's valid when if you, according to the ACLU, 21 million people don't have a valid ID that could be used for voting. And That's you know, scary. Yeah, and That's you know, scary. a lot of communities, it's the elderly, it's the poor, and it's a lot of minority communities. People who live in New Jersey will say to me, because this is where I live, so these are the people I talk to, they could just go to DMV and get an ID. How about in rural Mississippi or Alabama, where the nearest uh, you know, DMV is hundreds of miles away and they don't have a vehicle? It's not that easy for everybody. You have to look at big picture. I feel like there's a way we can compromise on some of these issues if people are willing to actually have the conversation. But when you want to talk about politics, people don't want to have the conversation. Even 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 in New Jersey, a lot of people may not understand. If you try to get an ID, you can't get an ID within without an ID. Yeah. It's exactly. a weird thing. It's a weird thing. You basically need another state agency to vouch and say yeah. who you are. So it's it's very tricky, even to the point if a person loses their like most people do, lose their birth certificate or, or lose their, yeah, and then the cost, and then you know, I I did I didn't I never realized how um hard ID was to get until yeah. about seven eight years ago. Like, yeah, and then you then you know you teach in Jersey City, yeah, they had a big scandal in Jersey City with the, um, yeah, so they so everybody from Jersey City had to go down to Trenton to, yeah. to get their birth certificate. So exactly, yeah, so so I know that. In New Jersey, I know about Larry Ham. I know that a lot of the work that he's done in the um, he's quote unquote considered progressive Larry Ham. So, how did how did 
when you look on the national uh, stage in, in the Democratic Party, I always, you know, I'm very critical of the Democratic Party. I think sometimes that people even think that I'm Republican, but I have no party. I don't, I actually don't believe in party. I actually believe in policy. Um, how do you think, in what direction do you think the Democratic Party is going? It's an interesting question because a lot of my friends and I that are Democrats, I'm a registered Democrat. I'm, I, I am proud of that, but I am also leery of some of the i feel like our party talks about the issues that matter to me but don't always we don't always act on those issues the way we talk about them if that makes sense um and i think you you understand it and, and i feel i know i've maybe not spoken to you but i know a lot of our friends on social media that we talk about that communities of color feel let down oftentimes by the democratic party because obviously we we as a party need their votes to get where we want to go, but then we don't always end up fighting for them the way we should. And I see that and that, that frustrates me. But like I was telling you before, before we got on air, I was watching um, Hillary's documentary on, Net on Hulu. And I know she's a very polarizing figure, but I think as a woman and as somebody in politics, her message in that documentary was outstanding even if you don't like things that you've heard about her or, or, you know, I know there's a lot out there to possibly not like about her, but her talking about how she was able to like cross the proverbial aisle to get support for things she wanted to do and how you have to work to get things done, changed my perspective a little bit on how some people maneuver to get things done in politics and Michelle Obama's becoming, I don't know if you've read the book or seen her documentary, but she echoed a lot of those sentiments. I, it's hard, I think, to sometimes strike a balance between giving up what you believe in and just working for the greater good and being willing to compromise. It's hard to decide where to compromise when, when you're in politics, I think. One, but, of, one, of, one of the things that I, you know, and, and my pushback to them, it's not, it's not so much what they're saying sometimes, it's how they're saying it. And a lot of times, in my opinion, and this is just personal, um, I believe that they're just talking at me instead of with me. And, 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 and in some instances, it's okay, you got my vote. Okay, you may not be able to deal with me specifically and, and address my needs, but my biggest thing is don't win the election, and then when you win, you're worried about the other aisle and how they're pushing back. We know they're going to push back. Yeah. We know that if a Republican's in office, you know, it's going to, it's got to be a give and take. My biggest thing is the excuses. Like, yo, if you're going to do something, you got to be able, and you, you witnessed this as being a mayor, even though you guys had the majority in, yeah. in your, in your chair, in your Yeah, We don't always agree. Though. You, yeah. you yeah. have to be able to be a unifier. Absolutely. You have to be able to look at both issues Regardless of what party got you in office, you got to be able to look at both issues and come to common terms. Absolutely. And it's like, unfortunately, the way that I've been looking at it since, you know, since high school and stuff, it's like when Republicans in an office, they kind of like bully the Democrats around. And then when the Democrats are in office, it's like, oh, we can't do nothing because the Republicans won't let us. Like, yeah. So I just always I was of the opinion, like, yo, what, what, like, what, why would you get my vote if you're gonna let somebody bully you around? 
Yeah, I see. I could totally see where you feel because you see some things happening now and something and we don't know everything that goes on and you could get caught up in social media or the media in general and, you know, headlines and, you know, things that are just supposed to trigger your emotions and whatever. But we see things going on now. And we're like, why can't anybody stop that? Like, that's just not good, you know? And it's just like, I don't know. I don't understand what's going on. It's so frustrating. Even even as much as when we get home, when we talk about Governor Christie, when he was the governor, I mean, during Sandy, he became the governor. Yeah. He, he had a lot of stuff with him, a lot of issues that I didn't agree with. I agree. But during Sandy, he showed his support for the state and his love for the yeah. state. And, and you kind of see it. And you, you know how it is a lot of times. Uh, when you're dealing with local politics, anyway, some people may not love the the the, the places that they're uh, in charge of. Yeah. So I just say that even now with Governor Murphy, it's like you know, what's he going? What's going on? You know what I mean? I mean, the COVID came right after he had his surgery, I know. so it's like it, I can't imagine that part of it, and it, I feel like. Speaking from being in government right now, there's no handbook to deal with a pandemic that we have. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like we don't know all the information. Those above us are getting to make decisions. But sometimes the communication comes out choppy. And it, so it just feels like people want to be communicated with better. But you might not have the information, you know, even on a local level. I, I pride myself on trying to communicate with people. I'm always accessible. Sometimes you just can't give people the answer they want because you just don't have it. But I found more than not, if you're honest with people, nine times out of 10, they're going to respect that. Even if it's a different party or they don't agree with you, I just try to be as honest as I can, you know, and I try to be as accessible and I try to really listen to people. And I don't only show up every three years when I'm running, you know, like people I'm out there and I, and that's important. And I think on all levels of politics, I, I do I do hate the fact that nationally our you know congressmen senators they have to spend so much time campaigning and worrying about money that they can't do their job. I think our system is very broken because money is the number one priority because they need it in order to be where they are but then they spend all their time concerned about getting it and then look where we are. Their, dis their districts or the areas that they're in uh, control over are looking terrible. Let me let me ask you, because I, I know you brought up the situation in um, Minneapolis yeah. and Central Park. Being being that you're in uh, a interracial marriage, yeah. How how do, does do you feel like it puts you in a place where you can speak as a as a mother of of two black? You have two kids, right? Two daughters, yeah. Two daughters and your daughter. Your daughter dealt with racism already. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, me being a male, I understand a lot of um, the frustration as a man. But when you really get to understand, like what our women go through and worry, yeah. you know, my sisters. I never realized like my sisters worried like that. I never realized like my female friends worry and and to have that talk, you know. Um, growing up as a, as a, yeah. your, and your husband could quite tell you. I've heard. I know. I'm very. Yeah, he had you know that talk like. Yeah. And 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 having to have that talk at an early age of how to deal and how to uh, handle police situations is kind of crazy. I, <laughs> I feel like 
I never want, I never want to be taken as I'm speaking for people or speaking for other people's experiences, but I feel like on some level, and I don't know if it's because I'm married to who I'm married to, or if I would have always felt this way in my adult life. I can't say we've known each other forever since, like I said, since 1996, I don't know if my perspective would be different if he and I were not in a relationship or if we never, you know, had our, you know, experiences, but I feel like on some level, on a lot of levels, it's the responsibility of myself as a white person in this country who has certain privileges to speak on these issues and to help people of color, whether it be black, brown, whether it be Native Americans that face all these issues on a daily basis. I, I have a responsibility as a human being to speak on these issues so it's not just them talking about it because they're exhausted. I'm sure you're exhausted. I'm sure. <laughs> if, if I was if I was black, I think, and I I don't want this to come out wrong, but if I was black, I would be exhausted with the headlines I have to constantly see, and I just I I, I just don't even know what I only know from hearing from my friends or you know my daughter's friends, mothers who share these stories. I mean, I I don't know firsthand what it feels like, and I just feel like it's my responsibility as a human being to try to help help that get better. I mean, I mean, you know, um, like like your husband and many black men, you know, from when we were kids, we were taught about Emmett Till. Yeah. Um, this was something that his mother made sure when she had the open casket as a reminder yeah. for everybody. So it's kind of always been there dealing. And, you know, I grew up in the Vauxhall section of Union yeah. and at one time, uh, Maplewood was very, very aggressive towards black people. I won't say they were all racist, but they were very aggressive towards black people. And even when I come back home now to see a lot of Maplewood cops are black, it's like, wow, they really, Maplewood really changed. So, yeah. you know, the only thing that we all can do is, uh, Try to change, like um, like you said, you know, a lot of a lot of times, um, being black, we probably may feel like, oh, our white friends aren't saying nothing, but a lot of them are. I, I know I have a lot of white friends that are saying something. They're really upset about what's going on, but it's like, you know, you can't change what you're not directly involved with. But it's a big. My thing is, it's a bigger thing because. Policing, education, employment, whatever like microcosm of our society you want to address, there are issues with race that still go on. And and it's a shame because just because the police thing that happened in Minneapolis, there are so many good cops out there. And I can only imagine that their job becomes more difficult when things like that happen. You know what I'm saying? And I I, I can't put myself in their shoes to feel what they're going through. Just like in education, there are people in education that probably shouldn't be there and think bad things or say bad things or do bad things. And there's not always a consequence for it. And it's, it, it's a shame. And a lot of it comes down to implicit bias. It's not as if any profession in this country, oh, that's where all the racists go to work. That's, that's silly. You know, like that doesn't happen. The problem is that there are privileges in this country that we have, but you'll see in profession, I don't want to keep like go harping on police because it's not just a police issue, but you've seen black officers in some of these instances that were involved in 
questionable situation. So it's not that always the race of the person. It's this implicit bias that we have in this country where we, we we're conditioned to think that if a person is of color, especially a male, eh, they could be guilty. So, you know what, if something happens to them, they probably deserved it somehow. You know, we look at that first before we have mm. empathy, you know what I mean? And that, that cuts across all areas. It cuts yeah. in, school, in school. We look at these kids and we don't even give them the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes I've seen it. I've probably been guilty of it. I can't say I never have, you know, where it's immediately, Oh, that kid's up to no good. Or that kid did this. You know, and I'm also a big, um, in, I, I, I majored in education with a concentration in psychology. So I'm very big into psychology. I do a lot for mental health here, which maybe we'll talk about before the end of this, but I've learned, like I've paid attention to the studies they've done where uh, black males are assumed to be older than they are. They're perceived to be older than they are. There's actually studies of this and perceived to be like more aggressive just by looking at them. So that's the perception we as a society go into a, a situation. With. So that's why we react in certain ways. And until we acknowledge that implicit bias, I don't know how else we can change things. I, I, I don't know. I think we have to acknowledge that it's there and then try to move past it. Instead of saying, I don't see color, you have to see color because people, <laughs> people of color experience things differently than we do. And if you don't see color, you're not going to honor their experience. I think, I think when a person says that they don't see color, or even with me, if you say, if somebody says I'm a, a, a person of color, I think I kind of get offensive, offended. Okay. I would just rather somebody just say, oh, you're black, you're you're a black, a native black American. Um, because I think that a lot of times we, we're so scared to address race. Like yeah. you'll hear, you're, you'll hear somebody say, well, that there may be white. Oh, I don't, I don't have white privilege. Oh. Every in every every aspect of our lives, we, and it's not our fault. We don't have to feel guilty about it. We just have to use it to better make it better for other people. Like we just have to acknowledge it and say, "But that's why I'm going to help you out." You know, like I, I don't know. I don't know how people. I think people get caught up in, but there's poor white people. It's not about socioeconomics. It's about our privileges. Wherever you are in society, your race, our race, doesn't make our our circumstances more difficult, no matter what. Somebody has a question for you, Erica. Uh -oh. Somebody said, "Do you do you have any suggestions to avoid the taxes in a legal way?" <laughs> no, <laughs> I am not a lawyer. I am not a tax professional, so no, I do not. Uh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I understand how hard it is for everyone, especially if they live in New Jersey. But yeah, it's you know, it's becoming more and more city. It's like you live in Man, New Jersey. Might as well just call, be called Manhattan East or something. Manhattan Junior. I know. Yeah. So I mean, so you so you study psychology as well. You, you yeah. just did everything. Well, like I said, I growing up, my mom had things going on in her life. I have um, a sister who I'm very close to who's dealing with some mental health things right now that she's very open about on social media. She's an advocate for it. So I'm not like. Talk, talking behind her back. She's very much an advocate for those issues. I started um, an initiative when I first got on a township committee, along with the support of my committee members at the time called the Stigma Free Initiative. You'll see, if you ever drive through Springfield, you'll see signs at both ends. And what we help to do, hope to do is end the stigma around mental health. So we, we've hosted probably over a dozen events in the last couple of years we um, have had a mental health first aid uh, training 
so people can deal with a crisis, a mental health crisis and be, be there for somebody until first responders are able to arrive. Um, I'm looking to train. I know our first responders have some trainings like that, but I'm hoping to get more trainings like that in the future for them, for our library staff. I want, I'd like to encourage our school district to hopefully get on board. Our school district does do a really good job. I will say at acknowledging the need for addressing students, mental health and having programs, especially in the lower grades. They do a lot in my, my daughter who's seven in her school to talk about it. But my high school age daughter has been to assemblies where they've talked about suicide and things. And she's come home and had meaningful conversations with me because of it. So I will say that in that regard, I'm really proud of the school district that is in my township for that. And mental, I, I always said that if I became on any level of politics, if I ever became involved, that mental health would be the thing I would champion. And if I move along in politics and ever move, move up the ladder, so to speak one day, this is what I want to work on. And this is what I want to improve the hospitals in New Jersey. I, I, I want to improve the access to mental health care in all neighborhoods. I want to focus on mental health care in the schools in a tangible way that will help children. Um, I want kids to know that it's something you can talk about and not be ashamed. And that I want people to get away from, oh, that person's crazy. You know, like the, the things we said growing up innocuously, nobody meant it. We didn't mean it as a, a bad thing. I want kids to be comfortable and understand you can talk about those things and that it's okay and that it happens. And then you have to, you have to deal with it if it happens. So that that's my goal as I to improve education and mental health. Those are my two big uh, things I'd like to work on. So yeah, definitely, mental health definitely um, has come a long way since when we were in school. I mean, man. We talk about it a lot more than <laughs> we we're, 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 yeah. we're making progress. Yeah, de definitely. Um, what was I going to ask you? I just lost my train of thought. So like I said, you're very active. What, 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 you're probably one of the only politicians that I know that will mix it up with guys and girls on social media the way you do. I didn't, I, but to be perfectly honest with you, I did not know you were into politics till you put a picture up when you got sworn in as the mayor. Well, uh, on my personal page, I definitely mix it up and I'll talk. I look, I like I said, I always played sports my whole life. I played softball up until a few years ago. I literally was playing softball while I was six months pregnant with my youngest child. So like wow. I played forever and I find like political discourse or like conversations on social media, almost like a sport. You know what I'm saying? Not to disrespect the conversation, but I enjoy the challenge of debating people. I feel like I, maybe that's silly, but that's how I kind of see it. I, I just enjoy it. So within the realm of being respectful to people and things like that, as long as people don't take it too far, I, I do enjoy it. I like to learn things from people. I like to hopefully teach people some stuff, although who the heck knows? Like you said, it might you might have said it off air before we got on. You're not always you're not really you're very often not gonna change people's minds, at least in that conversation. But I find that when I talk about especially like important issues. I'm not really talking for the person I'm talking to, but the other people reading it so they know there's somebody in their corner. You know what I'm saying? Like people might read what you're talking about. I've had people, not like a million, I'm not like saving the world, but I've had people reach out to me like, I appreciate what you said. You know, my background is this and I appreciate you willing to stand up for this or that or whatever. So, you know, you know, I think social media has its place and there's value in it. 
it's also the detriment of our society. It's a gift and a curse, you know, and I can let me let me find out you got C SPAN on at your house all day. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I another another question as a as a committee woman, yes. For your town, what department are you in charge of, and what new ideas do you have planned among this crisis for your city? I have been right this year. I'm on public safety and I'm on recreation, which I've been on every year because recreation is definitely a passion of mine. Obviously, with the sports, um, like I said, we did the Pride Day last year. We were going to do a really epic ceremony, like. Uh, celebration this year, but I don't think it's going to happen now in June because of the COVID, unfortunately. Um, this is my first year on public safety. Like I said, I want to have better mental health. I want to, you know, improve their access to being trained to deal with mental health issues as they arise in our community. I also want our first responders to have the best access they can to mental health services for themselves because they go through a lot. And I know that a that police, fire, and EMS—they're often the ones to say, "I got this. I'm good." And they have—they have programs in place internally to deal with the struggles they may face. But I want to double that. I want to make sure they have literally everything they need, so they can go and get, you know, talk to somebody and feel good about I, the unimaginable things they see on, you know, a daily basis. And that do you have, you have any uh, regional aspirations politically? One day. I Right now I'm still teaching. So I, I, I couldn't, uh, I want to, I like where I am right now and what I'm doing. Oh, Erica froze I for really a enjoy doing this. It's, it's okay. No, oh, go ahead. You have froze for a second. Okay. You're good. Okay. But I really, one day, possibly when my kids are a little older, I, I, if things keep going and I keep making positive changes, I, I would like to possibly do something, but that's not happening anytime soon right now. I like what I'm doing. I have two more years on my term, thankfully, to do a lot. This COVID has slowed us down a little bit in being able to do a lot of things that we would have normally done just because we can't be around our community. And it's going to be tough over the next two years. It's definitely going to be a learning experience to learn how to provide services for a community with a limit, with a more limited budget because of the fact that revenues are down. COVID has hit everybody so hard. So it's definitely going to be a learning curve to see what we do moving forward. So someone someone in the chat told me to tell you, uh -uh. thanks for all your hard work. I follow you on Facebook and you are bad with the A. I don't want to say it and set the algorithm off. So <laughs> oh, I love you said that, you're bad man. A. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, um, like you said with the, the COVID, I see that um it's funny because like New Jersey is opening up. Other states are like getting their the cases are going high. I mean, as a parent, as a teacher, and as a politician, yeah. How is it like mixed emotions going yeah. on? Like, you know, I don't really want to open up. I've got to worry about my babies. I, I got to worry about my. I don't know. Oh, you froze for a minute again, Eric. What the answer is, and you brought okay. up box this. Go ahead. Am I good? Look at you brought up you brought up Box Hall being from there, and their community was hit really hard. I feel like this this virus hit certain communities harder than others whether it be elderly whether it be the black community and i think a lot of people are pushing to open up there's two i feel like there's two different things a lot of people economically are scared right now and struggling because i don't think in general our government did a good enough job on all levels of helping them 
people are still waiting for unemployment because the system obviously almost blew up because of so many people and people are scared and they want to provide for their families. And I totally cannot dismiss that fear. There are also people fearing getting sick. I don't know what the answer is. I'm usually the one, you know, you've seen me. So I usually have an answer. I don't have an answer. I don't know. I don't know where the line is to walk where we can help both groups of people. And it's, it's scary to not know the answer because I want to know the answer. I want, I love helping people. That sounds cliche, but I really do. And I don't know what the answer is because we've never seen this before. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, even the, um, you know, you know, I have to bring it up. Even, even the, uh, when 1600 is on the news, he's always got, you know, a lot of people don't understand. He's always got like CEOs around him. He's got business people around him because it's like, you got to worry about the, yeah. the, the country's economic health. Yeah. And then we got our physical health. It's like a catch 22. It's like, you know, and I'm not I giving know. him, I'm not giving him an excuse. I'm just going to say that this is the hand that he trolled president Obama for. Cause he, he, he short, he told us what a professional troll can get. Um, yeah. It's like he, he, he's in a, he, he's in a no win situation as any president would be in a no win situation. Someone asked, um, how are you keeping up with your constituents? Um, we have, obviously we have our township email addresses that people reach out to us. I have a committee woman, social media page where people can reach out to me. Sometimes people just message me on Facebook because I'm kind of out there and stuff. Um, there's a mom's page, like every town has their mom's page and I'm the only female right now in a township committee. So I'm in the mom's page. So my ear is to the streets of the moms and you know, you don't mess with the moms. If the moms need something, they know where to find me. Um, oh, but with the, I'm glad you asked that because I can't believe I never mentioned that. What we're, what I what I helped organize. Uh, I'm very, I'm pretty proud of this. Back in March, right when, right the weekend right after schools shut down, and we knew we weren't going back to school, a friend of mine who was formerly on a township committee and she runs the senior program in town, she and I sat down and she said, you know. We don't know where this, this was like March 14th in that area. So we didn't know where this was going. You know, it was new to everybody. We heard it could be bad. We didn't know. She said, we're going to be shutting down a recreation department in our senior program. Those senior citizens are not going to get to meet the way they usually do. And we have a senior club in town where there's about 200 people, almost 200 people that are a part of it. So she said, we really need to consider doing something so they don't get lost in all this. So she and I were kicking ideas back and forth and she said, maybe something we can do with phone calls. I said, all right, awesome. Let me think about it. We put out the call and I, I, I reached out to the community via email, social media with my recreation director, who's fantastic. And I said, listen, can we put together something so seniors don't get left out in this? And he said, absolutely. Let's do this. He gave me the roster of seniors. I got about 30 volunteers. I divvied up the roster and I have volunteers calling our senior citizens on a daily or you know, every other day basis just to check in on them. So that started off and that worked really well for a few weeks. Then we realized this is getting more intense. You know, as April hit and it was getting kind of, you know, serious. I work with a volunteer organization in Summit and you're, you're familiar with the area. You know, Summit's bigger and they have a different population and they do a lot of community advocacy out there. And they were doing an, uh, they were shopping for seniors. They were doing grocery shopping and shopping for prescriptions. 
So Lacey Rosowski, who ran for assembly recently, so her name has been out in media. She and I work on some volunteer things together. She said to me, you might want to look at what we're doing in Summit and bring it to Springfield to help the seniors. So they do what's called, I don't know if you're familiar with Sign Up Genius, where you set up, it's a, it's a, it's a web application where you can set up a list when, when volu volunteers are connected with people who need help. Okay. And so we got about 30 people, again, probably about 15 or 16 that are regularly active. And whenever a senior in our community calls the rec department and needs somebody to go grocery shopping for them or pick up uh, prescriptions, it goes into this sign up genius. You get an email. And if you're available, you can take that job and just go pick it up for them and then they pay you with a check. So we've been doing that since probably the second week in April. So we've, we've done about 50 shopping trips for people that are in need. So I'm pretty proud that we've, I've been able to organize both of those things and it's been working really well for our senior community. So I'm really happy that I was able to do that. Well, you, well, you definitely got, you definitely got the chat lit up. I got another question for you. All right, let's go. How important is it for community activists and community organizers to work with local government? What would you say to people that are interested in helping their community out, but don't know how to? Oh my God. I love that. Um, you know, I live in a little bit more suburbia, I guess I would say. So I'm not familiar with too many community activists out here, but I'm also very deeply rooted in union. And I know some people out there that do a lot of good work. And in Jersey City, there's a lot of people to do a lot of good work. And I would say whatever community you live in, reach out to the township committee or the town council or whatever form of government you have and make yourself known and start to get involved and see if there's any volunteer opportunities and try to invite them to what you're doing instead of just offering your services to them, invite them to your, you know, bring them to your, your ground and have them come because any representative in a community should be willing to get out there with everybody in the community and, you know, try to work with them, especially young people. And not to say that person that asked the question is a young person, but a lot, I always think of activists as like young energetic people in their twenties because they have the energy. And <laughs> we, we, like, we, we need to connect with you. We need to be where you are and know what issues matter. So I would reach out to them and definitely make yourself known and try to get them, bring them to you. That's what I would say. Well, Erica, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share with us before we close out? I don't think so. I, what, I, I, I have one last question. Okay. Do you think that that because of politics have been a lot more polarizing, cable network news? Oh my God. Let's okay. just let's just say President Bush's second term mm -hmm. to now. Do you think that the general public has really um have got a, a little as I would say uh, understanding of political education? <sighs> I feel like politics, and it's obviously I've been involved for maybe five years, but or three or four, yeah, like four or five years. I feel like people, a lot of people have tuned out from it because it's so divisive it, and we're so, it's always, it's always there. It's always, we're, the 24 hour news cycle is destroying us even though I'm entertained by it sometimes, not so much of recent years, but it's a, again, it's a gift and a curse. Social media has its value, but then it, it, it makes things more divisive. These catchy headlines. I, I feel like 
there's information out there, but you have to look for it. And I don't think a lot of us do the work to look for it. You know what I mean? And then we, we, we just assume things or we have conversations and it's hard. Politics has become not the greatest, the greatest area to be involved in on the (laughs) scale right now. I still like a part of it, but it's, I understand why people don't like it too. I totally understand. I think that one when um and I don't know how long ago. I think that once once the, the the voting record of some of the politicians started getting on social media, I think yeah. it kind of like stepped <laughs> the game up and like um you know, it's I guess it's good that we're finally holding our politicians accountable. Absolutely. But at, at a certain point it's like it's exhausting like you said. It's good to have that little uh sandbox fight every now and yeah. then on social media with it. But at the end of the day, it's like, where's the conversation going to go? Exactly. Well, Erica, I, I really appreciate you joining us. And I hope that um, you'll be willing to come on again soon. Absolutely, in the future, whenever you want me. Before November. You you know how to find me. So whatever you need. And by the way, we didn't talk about sports much, but I'm also big into sports, even though there's nothing going on. I'm a, a Mets, Jets, and Nets fan. So if you, you want to talk sports out there, you got me for that too. You got one more question. Oh, man. Here you go. As as a public figure, how do you how do you deal with people talking about you in a negative way? How does it affect your kids? Um, honestly, I'm on a pretty small scale right now. There hasn't been a ton of negativity about me because I'm not in the biggest of roles. I'm sure moving forward, if I continue on a path and I want to do more things, that's going to happen. And honestly, I don't really know how I'm going to deal with it till I get to it because. I've always been, I have that personality. I'm a people person. I do want people to like me. I, and they're not always going to like you in, in all aspects of life, but especially when you have to make difficult decisions. Um, and there are people who know where I stand on certain issues and don't like me because of it. And that's just something I have to learn to deal with. And that my kids will have to learn to deal with. I'll tell you when I ran the first time and I lost by two votes, um, the night I lost because I'm a competitive person. I always kind of thought I was going to win. You don't do anything to not think you're going to win. When I lost, it hit me really hard, but my daughter who's 15 now, who was, um, I guess 12 at the time, it devastated, it broke her soul. Like she was so upset because she worked hard on my campaign and it really, and I felt bad that I got her into that. And she was so upset. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't want to make you cry. And she's like, but this, I thought we were going to win, you know, and things work out. Everything happens for a reason. And eventually I got where I wanted, but it's, it's not easy. It's, it's something you got to learn. to deal with. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny that that question was even asked to you, you know, um, I try to consider myself as trying to be a small little smidgen of medium now. And it's like, I get a lot of crazy inboxes about uh, politics, people, certain things. And it's like one thing I'm saying Right now, one of the uh, one of the people in the Democratic Party, it's like a smear campaign going against them, and it's kind of crazy because it's like it's not coming from across the aisle; it's coming from within the party, and it's kind of it's kind of disheartening in 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 a way. Um, I've seen that too. Not I have not seen that personally, like myself, but I've seen it happen to people I've worked with and their party and stuff. And it just when you see that, it's like. You, you don't have to agree with each other, but you kind of got to be on the same team and not the personal attacks and stuff aren't cool, you know? Yeah. But, well, Erica, I, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, Like I said, we'll we'll talk before 
November. You got my number now, so you know where to find me. Yeah. I, and I can't keep my mouth shut, so I don't hide easily. <laughs> don't hang up. Just stay, just stay on the line. We'll finish right. chatting for a minute. But um, thanks for everybody that joined us tonight with all the thanks, questions. Guys. We appreciate you guys, and have a blessed night.